0: Hey everybody um before this episode starts i wanted to just point a couple things out um this with uh this episode with katerina you uh initially started as a live episode uh we recorded a few weeks ago i was going to have this out sooner but i had some technical issues um and with life and kids and everything getting in the way um i just had to release this as a normal episode um so it'll be good for those who who did not listen to the live episode you can listen to this one it's a good episode. I also want to point out that uh, Katerini and I get into some more adult topics in this episode regarding the Nephilim, how they come to be. Um, it's nothing graphic, but it's if you it might not be suitable for young children. So if that's something that you're concerned about, then I, I want to just let you know now uh, before the episode starts. All right. Well, I hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you. God bless. Welcome to I Might Believe in Fairies. I am your host, Aaron Herber. This is a podcast about stories, myths, and the Catholic faith. I see Jokai, and uh, I think I see Max in the, in the chat there.
1: Yay!
0: Um, okay. Okay. Hey, look at that! All right. Joe Kai. Okay, good. See. Can you hear us? Oh, thank goodness. We're live. <laughs> oh,
1: fantastic.
0: We did it. Oh my goodness! I'm not sure what I did to make it live, but I I did it. Um, I, I guess I need streaming software. That's yeah. see, this is this is good. This is like a nice, you know. I'd like to say stress free, but I was pretty stressed the whole time. Um, <laughs> it, uh, but it, you know, it's it's, and I'm very delayed. I'm watching myself. I'm I'm pretty delayed, but uh, that's okay.
1: Yeah, try not to watch yourself.
0: I'll try not to watch myself, and I'm gonna start. Um, I don't know if this will be recorded or what's going on but I'm gonna turn on the audacity and record it as a podcast too and that way um, if the you know if the live thing doesn't actually get recorded then at least we'll have the podcast uh, audio data so that's good oh. all right everybody welcome <laughs> sorry to be so late um, <laughs> so unbelievably late and I'm sorry to. But this is a work in progress here, and um, I guess you need streaming software to uh, go live. I just thought you could do it with YouTube, and I got it all set up, ready to go, and then as I'm talking to Katerina, I'm like, oh, I can't actually click the go live button. So (laughs) that's, why is that? That's weird. So really quick, I figured out how to do it somehow. So (laughs) Alright, <laughs> this is I Might Believe in Fairies, and I. this is the first ever live episode, and hopefully we'll do these again, and I won't make such an ass of myself, um, but today we're going to be talking about uh, giants in the Bible and, um, and in myth, and uh, we're going to kind of keep it to an hour, because uh, it's late for Katerinia, it's late for me, so um, we're going to try to keep it, uh, keep it to an hour, and uh, if you are a subscriber, you can uh, send questions through Patreon, and um, uh, if you want to do that, uh, anytime during the broadcast um, is perfectly fine. And then, um, if not, you can just you know send us chat you know messages and chat. And um, uh, Max, I, I'm giving you free. You can ask questions because you're Kettering's boyfriend, so that's that's fine. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you wanted to do that, that's totally fine. Um, so yeah, uh, Kettering, welcome.
1: <laughs> Thank you
0: here again yeah um, you're kind of the guinea pig you know i did my first um, yeah. guest episode with you and <laughs> i'm doing the first live with you uh so uh it's pretty fun um, yeah I'm always happy to be experimented on <laughs> well we got it to work that's that's the good thing we got it to work hopefully people are still interested in watching um but uh yeah why don't we just jump in um so we're going to talk about giants and we're going to talk about uh, otherwise known as the Nephilim. And um, what kind of got me into this, and, um, just kind of some background on this. I remember when I was a little baby Catholic, I'm not much older than a baby Catholic now. I came back to the church six to seven years ago. I was talking to a family member about Scripture, and there was a passage in Genesis where it talks about the giants or the Nephilim uh, before the flood. And I'm just like, oh, that's kind of weird. Like, what, what are those? What are the Nephilim? It's kind of odd. Like, in my uh, family, member I was talking to my mother-in-law. She's like, Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's not. It's just not that important, you know. It's not. And um, it's not a. It's not. We just don't know, you know. It's kind of this weird thing that we don't really know anything about. And I will say that I've come to kind of disagree with that. You know, at the, at the time, I'm like, Yeah, that makes sense. Whatever. It doesn't really matter. And now I'm like, Well it kind of does matter um, because without understanding what the Nephilim are, it kind of, if you don't, if you understand what the Nephilim are, it adds a lot of context to the old Testament. And um, because they're kind of just, if you know what to look for, they're kind of everywhere in the old Testament. And um, then they kind of set up, um, you know, the nations and you have Israel, you know, the God, kind of brings out of the, the nations and sets up a nation for himself and eventually wants to bring the nations back to himself. And so it kind of p- provides a lot of color and provides a lot of explanation for what's going on in the Old Testament. And on one level, it's not its not important because there's no definitive church teaching on what the, who the Nephilim are, what they are. Um, but if you don't understand it the way that we're going to talk about it tonight, I don't think the Old Testament makes as much sense. You know, I don't think the New Testament makes as much sense um, without without a proper understanding of the, who the Neplom are. Um, how does that sound for, like, an introduction? <laughs> That's a
1: great introduction. Um, it is, in fact, very important. It's a very important uh, subject. Um, and... Although there is no definitive church teaching, uh several church fathers did speak about the matter, and we'll be able to touch on those later
0: yeah so what got you interested in this in the subject?
1: Well like you, it was um uh, me returning to the faith, and I hadn't read the um uh, deuterocanonical books of the bible mm-hmm. um so i was going through and I, I remember i remember the very day that it happened because okay so you go through um you know the story of joshua when when they're when they're entering the the holy land and they're having all these wars and you know this that whole thing seems extremely screwed up yeah you know i'll all these people, you know, they all have to die. Everything needs to be burned, and on that on that surface level, it's absolutely horrible. So, um, I was pumping gas one day after work, listening to the um, the Book of Wisdom, and chapter twelve, verse three, uh, came on and it was mind blowing because here's what happened and why it happened um so yeah <laughs> go ahead <laughs> so yeah what what we're seeing what we're seeing there is these were not really human people mm. And at that point you know i'm i'm going I'm going back and forth I'm looking at the the other books um do you remember what
0: the uh, do you remember what the wisdom verse in scripture was
1: uh it it begins let's see here uh chapter twelve verse three those who dwelt of old in the holy in thy holy land thou didst hate for their detestable practices their works of sorcery and unholy rites their merciless slaughter of children, and their sacrificial feasting on human flesh and blood, these initiates from the midst of a heathen cult, these parents who murder helpless lives, thou didst will to destroy by the hands of our fathers. And it basically goes on Mm. and on and on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Gruesome stuff.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's it's basically... Well, here's the reason this is going on and you know, I'm I'm going back and forth between these books and I frequently say when, when I go on my, my little giants, giants threads that we need to pay attention to what's going on in these lists of genealogies, right? because there's so much information embedded. Like, the reason why um, the tribes of certain uh, people in the, the, yeah, the lands of certain tribes were not to be touched by the Israelites because they were, in fact, descendants of Abraham. You know,
0: they also had a share
1: uh, in that land. And those were...
0: Like Esau's human. descendants and stuff yeah, like that. in lot, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: They were human, but these other guys, no, nah, not not so much. Not so much. They were uh, they were tribes of giants, and that mm. doesn't necessarily mean that they were really tall. Right. But yeah, a lot of them were you know the um, the pre deluge giants were in fact huge.
0: Like, um, uh, would this be, so let's, let's, so let's start with, um, the giants themselves. So Nephilim can literally translate to giants and that's what it is in some English translations. Um, I've heard it also could mean like fallen one or t- like, a. It, 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 they equate it with like the, the word tyrant. Right. Um, so these are – they're not necessarily – as far as I understand, they're not necessarily um, like not human, but they're considered – they're they are the – in Scripture, they're the mighty men of renown, like Nimrod. Or it, I guess um, – not, maybe not to jump too far ahead here, but people like in, – in mythology, you have like uh, Hercules or Heracles or whoever, whatever. Um, Gilgamesh, you know, these guys who are – partly divine somehow, you know, yes. like one of their parents is divine and the other, and the other parent is human. And it makes the, and you know, it makes these like uh, superhumans and, um, they're not necessarily not human, but like, what are they? Are they, you know, so it's kind of strange that it, like, all these other, um, Eastern, uh, ancient near Eastern, uh, civilizations had these, um, these mighty men of renown, I guess, you know, these giant, these giant larger than life figures that weren't best of people. <laughs> you know, Hercules slaughtered his whole family. Now, you know, I think he was in a dream and Hera was trying to drive him mad. So that's, you know, maybe not completely his fault, but, um, unless I got the wrong myth, but, uh, or Gilgamesh, you know, wasn't the best guy either. You know, they're, <laughs> and I'm, I'm Minnesotan. So I'm using, um, you know, uh, when I say they're not the best, I mean like, well, they were probably pretty awful. <laughs>
1: Yeah, they were, yeah, they were generally awful people. Yeah. And it's, um, it's pretty consistent across stories. So yes, there is, um, uh, a human, a human parent, and we'll, we'll call, we'll call them a celestial parent. Yeah. So I, these, these, um, these, um uh, so-called, uh, so-called gods. And Goddesses because some of them were female um, or celestial beings, they were angels mm-hmm. you know who uh who took for themselves you know the worship that was due to God but yeah it's 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 fairly consistent that they were terrible people
0: right, and it, so you have these like you have people like Nimrod and um you have uh, like this. So when um, Moses is going to he has the Israelites, and they're going to uh, the Promised Land, and they send out they send out spies, right? Um, and the spies come back and they give an evil report uh, in Scripture, and they say they the, we saw the the sons of Anak, you know the the Nephilim. That's yep. and that's the only other time in Scripture, as far as I know, they they actually say the word Nephilim. Um, so like in Genesis. They say Nephilim, um, what, cha- was that chapter six in Genesis? Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, so I can read, I'll read that in a second here, but, um, uh, so I have pulled up, but, uh, that's the only other time they use the word Nephilim and they say they were, they're like grass, we're like grasshoppers to them. Right. So they're like mm-hmm. big dudes. Right. Um, and that they stem from, um, I don't know if this is in scripture, but I think the, what you were saying about the genealogies, you know, like, um. Going even further with David, you have Goliath, who's like the last of, you know, the last of one of these guys. Um, and, and his brother. His brother.
1: Yeah. Okay. Goliath so had a
0: brother. Okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, um, so here's Genesis chapter six. Um, and after that, men began to be multiplied upon the earth and daughters were born to them. The sons of God, seeing the daughters of men, that they were fair, took to themselves wives of all which they chose. And God said, My spirit shall not remain in man forever, because he is flesh, and his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. Now giants were upon the earth in those days, for after the sons of God went into the daughters of men, and they brought forth children, these are the mighty men of of old, men of renown. And God, seeing that the wickedness of men was great on the earth, and and that all the thought of their heart was bent upon evil at all times, it repented him that he had made man on the earth and being touched inwardly with sorrow of heart. He said, I will destroy man who, whom I have created upon the face of the earth, from man even to beasts, from the creeping thing even to the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them. And then he talks about Noah after that. So that's kind of, and that's like, that's all we get, right? <laughs> In scripture. And so like the questions are, who are the sons of God? Who are the daughters of men? Um and why would their union lead to the flood, right? That's, mm-hmm. And so you have two, there are, there, are, there are other theories out there, but you have like the two main ones. And the one that's large, largely dominant in the West is the Sethite view. Um, mm-hmm. That the sons of God were the descendants of Seth. Because Seth was the replacement of, of um, Abel, and he was the, the righteous one of God. And then the daughters of men were the, descendant, the women the daughters of Cain. Um, so maybe we could talk about the Sethite view, why it became popular, uh, who popularized it, um, and why, you know, we don't agree with that, basically.
1: <laughs> okay, so, um, that view, uh, it, it, it actually, it's a, it's a pretty old view. There are some church fathers that, um that, that held to that, um. But I, I would say that it's most popular now because um, we need to have a material, a materialist explanation for everything. It's part of our, our little our little postmodern era, um, where you know we we need to be able to take apart absolutely everything and then rebuild it. The the view, it, it frankly it doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. because nowhere are um, Seth's descendants um, in scripture referred to as the sons of God. Right. They're not. So there's no, there's no textual basis for that. And as far as um, angelic beings, being referred to as sons of God, we do mm-hmm. have scriptural evidence for that. We have that in um, in Job, and also um, and also elsewhere in the Bible, but more most interestingly in the Book of Job, <coughs> yep. where we have a um, have a, a vision of the heavenly court where the sons of God are going to and fro. And sort of, you know, making making them making an account of themselves in this sort of um, ancient Middle Eastern um, royal court setting,
0: right? Like the um, it's called the divine divine council theology, and um, so a lot of where I'm getting this information is from a book called The Unseen Realm by uh, by Michael Heiser. Um, it's not just there. Um, but it's, it's, um, what, it, it, from a, um, an Orthodox priest named uh, Father Stephen DeYoung, um, who has a blog and a podcast called Lord of Spirits. He's got a blog called The Whole Council of God. Um, and he goes through that as well. But like in Dr. Heiser's book, he provides a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, scriptural citations. He, he cites Job, um, and they, where God is referencing the sons of God, you know, um, which he's, it's from the context, it's clearly his, the angelic beings, right? It's not, it's yes. not men, you know, it's not people, humans. Um, and then there's, um, like, I think there's a Psalm 78. Does that sound right to you? Um, Yes. We shouldn't just, you know. yeah, well, yeah. We shouldn't just throw it out
1: there. Some Psalm
0: said it, some, you know, um, <laughs> So, I think it's Psalm 78. Uh, Let me find it here. Um, Can't find it at the moment, but uh, it's Psalm 82. Do you Um, have
1: it? Yeah, God has taken his place in the divine council.
0: Okay. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. Yeah, and it might be that Psalm 2 where he says that they, you know, basically because of what they did, they'll die like men, you know. Um, Yeah. And... So, if the, so the so like the Sethite view, what really kind of you know um, makes me not hold to that to that view is why would there be a flood, right? Why would uh, why would that be the response like this world-ending flood to Cain and Seth's lines like you know um, intermingling? That doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me um, just from a logical standpoint. You know, <laughs> like why would that why would that specifically cause a flood? Um, but the uh the um sons of God being divine beings coming down and mating with, with human women, that yeah, that that would do it. <laughs> um Yeah.
1: And there's also um the glaring biological problem. Yes. That today if an Unrighteous spouse and a righteous spouse have a child. That child is not going to be a giant, right? So there's there's no <laughs> there's no uh, sort of uh, genetic way for this to happen,
0: right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, it would not like the Sethite view would not produce mighty men of renown in the sense that um, that it goes through in Scripture, right? Yeah, it it right. just it wouldn't make any sense. They'd just be normal people. Um, right. Like, you, you wouldn't get, like, Goliath. I mean, them
1: could have been hero- heroic, but they wouldn't have
0: been unnecessarily large, you know. Or, or described as, like, a mighty man of renown, which is a very specific yeah. term. Um, and that kind of – so, yeah, there's that issue and the one the one thing the Sethite view has going for it is um how so like saint augustine was and i think saint um oh i can't remember there the, the, there were there were church fathers who embraced this view largely because uh how would this work right so how would an angelic being you know have relations with a human woman how would that even work and that is a good question because um divine beings they're purely pure spirits and they would not have the i mean you you wouldn't think they'd have the capability to to reproduce i mean they, they can't of themselves right they don't that's not what they do um so how can something that's pure spirit uh have relations with a, a physical being right like a human a human person and so that is that is a good question and um dr. heiser offers some um some uh, alternatives for that, like how how could it happen? Um, and I, I think he said that they could, like I don't know if this is something they could actually do, but um, he said they could open the womb of women, you know, just of themselves, like you know it says God does, you know, opens the womb of Sarah, um, stuff like that. And I don't, that I'm not particularly convinced of that. Um, but so how how would that work? I mean, <laughs> not to get too graphic, but like how that is that is a major. Um, point the Seth I view has going for it in my opinion um, what, what do you what do you have to say to that
1: well um, angels can have physical bodies
0: mm-hmm.
1: so what we mean uh, we're, we're, we're really not um, defining terms you mm-hmm. know we're not really being clear about what we mean when we when we say and I'm, I'm saying we as as Christians mm-hmm. um, Do we even know what we mean when we're saying pure spirit? Maybe not. (laughs) I I don't think that we do. I don't think that we do because there are many instances in the Bible where um, angelic beings interact with human beings physically. Like um, whose feet did Abraham wash?
0: Right. Yeah, um, that's true.
1: Who 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 physically pulled lot? Um, yeah, who physically pulled lot out of the way of the mob mm-hmm. into his house? Inside. Um, who uh, who dislocated Israel's hip? Right. I mean, th- these are these are all physical.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good point.
1: Yeah, these are all physical interactions. So Yeah,
0: that Well so Yeah, and they can eat do... like the angels who visit Abraham, I think they have or no, yeah, yeah they have dinner with Abraham and then with Lot, I think they eat with Lot too. So it's it's yeah, they can clearly take on, you know, physical bodies that interact with you physically, right? That can touch you and, right. and eat food with you and, and things like that.
1: So, I don't think that, um, I really don't think that it's, it's necessarily correct to um, use uh, the phrase pure spirit to mean um, an incorporeal being, because they do have some they do have bodies I mean these angels they do have bodies so being having bodies it's it doesn't necessarily take away from uh, their, their purity or their spirituality
0: right right yeah so um, st Augustine I believe um, I so he, he knew, he he believed that, you know, uh, incubi and succubi, like de- demonic entities could take the form of, you know, attractive people and have relations with victims. Um, it, it was the, so he, he like the, the church fathers believed that, um, that it could happen. It's just, how do you have a child, right? How do you have a child with this entity um, that would, you know, have, be a mighty person of renown, mighty man of renown? Um, and, you know, I think, um, looking at pagan temple, uh, temple worship is, um, not that anybody would want to, but, <laughs> but, oh. uh, <laughs> but that, that's where that kind of comes in because in, um, you know, they, de- Og's they describe bed. Og's bed, right. in um, yeah. is that what, I can't remember where that was in scripture, but, uh, Genesis somewhere, um, where they describe no. Og's bed it's as being wrong. made of metal and it's, you know, thirteen and a half feet long and, and six and six feet wide. Um, and that's, you know, which which kind of leads you to believe that he was abnormally tall. Um, but I think if I if I understand correctly, um, Og's bed was also like his the bed it was also used in ritual um like ritual sexual acts basically to worship yeah, whatever so, god they were worshiping. So
1: what would happen what would happen, um is that these uh, god kings would Claim to be one third human, so they were two thirds divine. And the way that the way that the math works out is okay. um, As a god king, their father being a god king, okay, so that's that's one god, their father. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that father being also a priest would sort of ceremonial, ceremonially um, be involved in a sort of ritual possession mm-hmm. and would lay with a temple prostitute who would be the human a part of this this uh, equation. <coughs> so you have the god the god king who is possessed mm-hmm. and then a human. Right. And that is one way for it to work, yes. Because we we still have um, in in uh, pagan sects uh, this sort of uh, ritual possession taking place.
0: Like today, currently too.
1: Yes, it's it's a staple part of uh, religions like uh,
0: Voodoo. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, and then, um, not, it's not quite the same, but you have like the, the Oracle of Delphi, right? Who, um, I think she could predict the future or something, right? Um, but she would be supposed to be possessed by Apollo. Yeah. So, same sort of thing. So they, except they're not trying to reproduce a child, uh, right. um, with that, but, uh, it's still, <laughs> it's still bad. Um, <laughs> So you have like you have the these ancient Near East kings who were themselves seen as gods and they were yes. themselves seen as the son of their father right which is the god the whatever to whatever temple it was they were worshipping in. and then they have a, a temple prostitute which is a human female and so that would be one way to produce um a a uh, and we didn't I like we didn't come up with this right I I, I heard about this um from Father Stephen Young, and uh, Dr. Heiser doesn't go into this theory, but it kind of matches what he's, he's talking about, and this actually makes, this actually makes a lot of sense, and I, not to get too graphic here, but um, I remember once hearing um, a Catholic priest talk about, I don't remember who it was, um, but he might have, I think he was an exorcist or something, I I can't remember who it was, but it, they, they, they said that if, um, i got my butcher in here i might i just i just remember this that they said if if someone was possessed and they had sex with someone who was not possessed the demon could like transfer over to that person um because you're like you're like opening yourself up to that other person in such a way spiritually that the demon would now have claim on you (laughs) and i'm like when i heard that i'm like "Ah, that sounds crazy you know that's that's nuts but then after learning about this, I'm like, well, okay, that maybe isn't so crazy. Um, right. <laughs> because that would go a long way to explain um, how these giants can uh-huh. come about. <laughs> what? It
1: would, it, would, it would explain quite a lot about um, current year, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, not not that. Uh, <laughs> but, like, this this whole, like, temple ritual um this whole temple ritual thing would help to kind of explain what was going on in scripture and help explain, you know, what you read with the wisdom literature, how, um, how the Israelites would come up, would come up against these other groups of people who would be horrible. Like you have, you, you mentioned lot, you have lot in Sodom and he's visited by the angels and you have all of the men, like all of the male, People in Sodom surrounding Lot's house and wanting basically to sexually assault those angels, right? Um,
1: exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and
0: Lot right. was going to give them his daughters instead, and they're like, "No, no, we want them, you know." And Lot, you're going to get because. it too. If you, don't get, if you, get a, if you don't. You get a. You don't. Stay out of our way. And that just adds a whole level of horror to what was going on in that scripture, you know, cause it's, it's horrible enough. Right. And then if you add, Oh, actually they were trying to, you know, perform this ritual with these angels. <laughs> it's like, Oh, dang. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's what they were after. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, that they were trying to, um, rape strangers, mm-hmm. which is, which is how it gets, uh, it gets, um, uh, interpreted now. It, wasn't that it wasn't that at all they knew that they were angels Mm -hmm. they wanted to have sexual relations with angels because they knew that that was a practice that was a practice that had gone on in the
0: past right yeah and then you have in scripture where they um yeah you were describing joshua um, going basically to war against all of these neighboring tribes to cl- clear them out of the promised land. He's not supposed to go after Esau's descendants or Lot's descendants because they're all right. descendants of Abraham. Um, and therefore they all have a portion of the promised land. Um, but he's supposed to go after these um, these tribes, these other pagan Canapostic tribes. giant tribes. Right. Yes. And um, so in Scripture, this is like the – this is the toughest part about the Old Testament is these wars, right? So Joshua is commanded to, you know, basically lay waste to these cities, kill people in there. Um, And depending on how you interpret it, Kaiser talks about, you know, sometimes it, it says, you know, and he, Joshua attacked them and they, you know, they were no more, you know, it's like, Oh, okay. That could mean, that he destroyed the city, but didn't kill everybody in there, and the city was no more, and he killed all the giants, right? Um, Because it could be, are they a whole city of giants? Are they, you know, just a handful of giants that are in control of the city? Um, Something like that, right? So when you have this view uh, that they're actually, um, all of these, you know, the the war against the giants in the Old Testament is connected to, what happened in Genesis with the flood? Um, things start to make more sense as to why these tribes were treated so harshly and why they weren't allowed to keep any of the spoils of war.
1: Um, yeah, it was all yeah. it was all tainted and corrupted.
0: Right, and these these pagan groups, these giant clans, were so horrible. Like you were just reading the wisdom literature, kind of describing, you know, what was going on, and then we have like um so we have that right and then you you have Goliath you know the famous you know David fighting Goliath that's the very famous example um but in addition to scripture there's also uh, the uh, the book of Enoch and the other um like epigrapha that was written in the second temple period um which is i if i understand correctly it's the period between the old and new testaments right yeah yeah okay um And the New Testament.
1: We're looking at at roughly um, 200. Um, I think the Book of Enoch is dated dated to 200 BC. Okay. And I think um, the Book of Jubilees is um, is also right
0: around there. Okay. Yeah. And I was just listening to the Book of Enoch. Um, Truth be told, I had never read it or listening to it until today. And I was listening to it in the car um, to go get um, cake. (laughs) Only the first book is good,
1: like, for for your listeners. Only the first book is good. Um, The other, the other, um,
0: there's three, right?
1: Yeah, and one of them is just basically about the seasons. There's some sort of um, ideological um, conflict between the lunar calendar and the solar calendar.
0: So, yeah, yeah I think the the second two books boring. are gnostic, right? So don't read those. Yeah. But the first book, the Book of Enoch, the first Book of Enoch. And this is probably why it's not in scripture, right? It's not like canonical because there's right. so much ambiguity well, it's, about it. it. By Enoch.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's and so it's not canonical, but it it's cited a lot by New Testament authors like um Jude, um Saint well, Jude.
1: most importantly, it's, it's cited by Jesus.
0: Okay, can you provide that uh, citation? Uh,
1: yeah, all of the um, all of the Son of Man language, mm-hmm. which is in um, it's in Daniel as well as yep. the Book of Enoch. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, let's see here.
0: And it's also cited by Saint Jude, I believe, in yeah, Peter Jude and in Second Peter, yeah. And um, I've been trying to find the Second Peter. Um, if we're if I'm not the most prepared, it's because I barely got this live stream to work. So <laughs> yeah, and
1: I kind of I kind of dropped my notes. Um,
0: here we go. So I have Second Peter here for uh, this is Second Peter chapter two. Uh, for if God spared not the angels that sinned but delivered them drawn down by infernal ropes to the lower hell and to torments to be reserved unto judgment and spared not the original world but preserved Noah the eighth person the preacher of justice bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly so second peter is so st peter here is is um connecting the uh fallen angels to the flood um and noah and um so he's he's citing Genesis, but more explicitly, I believe, you know, and uh, again, I'm not an expert, but I believe he is also citing the Book of Enoch because um, he would have been familiar with that, uh, being, um, you know, a first century uh, Jew, um, and so that that's one citation. Um, so second, second Peter is, is uh, the Book of Daniel also uh, really parallels. Um, there's a lot of stuff in the book of Daniel that is, um, but that's Old Testament. So it's, um, yeah. Did you find your citation? Oh,
1: working on it. We might have to, we might have to, um, no, it's okay. We, we um have to put it in the notes, yeah. Yep, yeah,
0: yep. Yeah. So, so yeah, you have, um, so here, here we go. Here's, here's Jude as well. So, um, this is, there's only one chapter in Jude. So, and the angels who kept not their principality but forsook their own habitation, he hath reserved under darkness and everlasting chains under the judgment of the great day. Um, and, as Sodom and Gomorrah and the neighboring cities in like manner, have, having given themselves to fornication and going after other flesh for made an example, suffering the punishment of eternal fire. Um, so, he kind of cites the principalities, you know, coming out of their habitation, and that's also from the Book of Enoch, uh, because the when Enoch is um, he's kind of showing the cosmos, right? That's like the seven archangels are kind of showing him around, and they're in hell, and um, Enoch's like, "What is going on over there?" And they're like, "Oh, well, that's the those are the angels that um, they were stars that uh, rose before their time, and God's punishing them in this for all eternity in this part of hell." <laughs> um, so principalities in in The angels in uh, the the time period we're talking about, um, and up through the Middle Ages, were often identified with stars um, and planets. And um,
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, I found what I need. Okay, great. All right. So when when Jesus says, uh, "Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth," in Matthew five five, the uh, quote in Enoch is. The elect shall possess light, joy, and peace, and they shall inherit the earth. Uh, the Father judges no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, John 5, 2, 2. Um, the principal part of the judgment was assigned to him, the Son of Man, that's Enoch. Um, okay. Um, yeah, It, it, it he, quite a lot, quite a lot.
0: Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, we have this, um, this these angels who you know produce these mighty men of renown, and they establish cities, right? That's kind of what they do. Um, and Cain is, is credited with establishing the, the first city. Uh, now, Cain's wow. not an Ephelim, but um, you have you have um, kind of this the city building associated with Cain uh, and other like uh, Nimrod. And also um, in mythology, you have uh, Romulus and Remus, you know, establishing Rome. You have um, all of these heroic, you know, heroic to, to the pagans, uh, heroic people founding cities. Um, so city city building is, is connected to uh, the Nephilim um, and to the the sons of um, the sons of the the devil, basically, um, which kind of brings us to the Garden of Eden as well. Um, where Christ, you know, Christ says, uh, they're, um, oh man, I'm just going to quote this as paraphrased, but he's referring to the Pharisees. Yeah, he, I'm not going to spend time looking for it. He's, he refers to the Pharisees as, um, sons of the devil, basically like your father, your li your liar is like your father because your father's alive from the beginning, something like that. Now they're not actually physically sons of Satan, but, um, they are acting like, like Satan and that and that and that, by acting um like Satan you effectively are becoming more like him and um and you have um and that he connects that to so that's kind of in connection to like uh the um in in the garden of paradise you have Eve you know um you, you will strike at you know, your seed will will strike at their seed basically um, like your 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 descendants will strike at their descendants now that the demons can't reproduce you know in the same way but so you, you have this and that's what kind of heiser talks about too where it's like yeah they're giants in that if they're evil and that they act evil and that they become the sons of these fallen principalities now that was very rambly um, but i <laughs> I'm trying to I'm, again I'm not an expert it's like these are things that I'm trying to like kind of work out myself you know um like how this all kind of functions and it also kind of ties into um the uh the tower of babel as well um where you have the uh they're trying to build this structure ziggurat. yeah the ziggurat basically um to uh it's commonly thought to you know try to reach heaven you know just build a stairway to heaven <laughs> You know yeah. but I think I'm more convinced by the idea that they were trying to build an idol to put God into right um, well
1: um, the, the cigarette is and I, I the pyramids as well um, were uh, models of the holy mountain yeah yeah and uh, the reason that you know you see um, so they go from Mount uh, Moriah, to Mount Sinai, to um, the Temple Mount, um, wherever God is, that's the Holy mountain. So if I build a mountain, I can sort of make God come there. Right. And then
0: he's at my service. And that's what an idol is, you know, that's yeah. basically, you're trying to trap the god so to speak, in an idol and try to make it do what you want it to do. And with Babel, obviously God doesn't want them to do that, not because they're actually going to succeed, but because it's going to be very bad for them <laughs> yeah. if they try to do this. So that's why God scatters them and he gives them over to the nations, to the, to the fallen principalities um, that, you know, So he he gives the nations over to these fallen principalities. And the whole point of Israel, see, this is why this makes sense. This is why this whole, uh, you kind of have to believe in other gods. You know, they're demons, but you have to believe in other gods in order for the Old Testament to make sense. Because he gives them, he gives these people, he splits them all up and gives them all to these fallen principalities that they're going to be subject to, right? They're going to enslave them, basically. And then um, he calls out Abraham to establish his own nation. And eventually he wants Israel to bring the rest of the nations back into worshiping uh, the true God. Um, Yes. Yeah. And and in there you have these rituals or whatever's going on to produce the mighty men of renown, um, which the Sethite view just doesn't, it just can't account for it in the same way. Um, Right. So it just doesn't make as much sense with the rest of scripture Especially when you look at, you know, second Peter and, and, you know, especially second Peter that really, that really is it's pretty clear. I think there where he actually is, he's connecting the flood with um, these fallen principalities. Um, and it just doesn't like nothing. Like the only thing that really gets it is like, okay, how does this work sexually? Like how does it actually work? And I, you know, there are explanations that, that make sense, especially when related to temple temple worship. They're not fun. You know, <laughs> they're gross. Um, but, you know, it's like if you don't have a proper understanding of how horrible paganism was, it is. Um, it, it's, Christianity doesn't really make any sense, Right. Because if you just view the ancient Greeks, like a lot of Christians do, it's like, oh, yes, a lot of good philosophers, you know, that's all very good, good, you know, civilizations. Like, well, they were still pagans and they still, you know, maybe they weren't as bad as some, but they, like, (laughs) they were still pretty bad, you know. Yeah, they were. So, yeah, not like us Christians are so great that everything is just wonderful now. But it's, if you don't have that, like, dichotomy of, yeah, like Joshua went to battle with these other tribes, and, you know, they were, they were really bad. They were can they, cannibals, they were... They
1: were inhuman. Yeah,
0: yeah. They were inhuman. Yeah, yeah. And now that you could argue, okay, were they actually human, or were they just, like, so far gone down the, the demon route that they were basically monsters either way? You know, I don't know if it really matters. But, yeah. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't.
1: I mean, either way, it's... It, the outcome is
0: the same. It'd be like a bunch. It'd be like a society run by like and every and everyone is Hannibal Lecter, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like the king is Hannibal Lecter. His wife is Hannibal Lecter. His other wife is Hannibal Lecter. Everybody's wow. Hannibal Lecter all the way down, you know. And it's like they all just eat each other and kill each other and like that's that's what that's what that society is. <laughs> um. So yeah. So we have. I, I I think this is just really important to kind of get across that it makes. More that it makes the Old Testament make, makes more sense. Um, it explains things. Uh, you might you don't have to like it, you know, but it's it makes it makes the Old Testament seem well, it's more coherent. It coheres more with yeah. itself. Um, so we talked about the I view. Um, and is there anything you want to like gonna go over before we um, move on? <laughs> I guess.
1: Well, I did mention um, some church fathers. Yes. And I just want to, um, we're just going to go with Irenaeus, Mm -hmm. um, his understanding of it. Uh, This is from a discourse in the demonstration of apostolic preaching. And for a very long while, wickedness extended and spread and reached and laid hold. Upon the whole race of mankind, until a very small seed of righteousness remained among them, and illicit unions took place upon the earth, since angels were united with the daughters of the race of mankind, and they bore to them sons who, for their exceeding greatness, were called giant giants. And then we have St Augustine uh, no, no, St Ambrose, I'm Saint sorry. Augustine. Yeah, St. Ambrose. Uh, the giants, Nephilim, were on the earth in those days. The author of the divine scripture does not mean that these giants must be considered, according to the tradition of poets, that's the pagan poets, mm-hmm. as sons of the earth. That would be uh, sons of Gaia, who was, um, he's speaking about the uh, gigantic monkey here. It would have been understood to his listeners. In uh,
0: Gigantomachia's of, War with Giants. Yes. Yep.
1: Yes. <coughs> um, as sons of the earth, but asserts that these whom he defines with such a name because of their extraordinary size of their body were generated by angels and women. And
0: that was St. Ambrose, you said?
1: Yeah, that okay. was St. Ambrose. And, um, <coughs> I'll just go ahead and do a uh, Clement of Rome as well. Um, uh, a little bit, a little bit longer. But when having assumed these forms, they convicted as covetous those who stole them, and changed themselves into the nature of men, in order that, living holily and showing the possibility of so living, they might subje- subject the ungrateful to punishment. Yet, having become in all respects men, they also partook of human lust and being brought under its subjection, they fell into cohabitation with women, and being involved with them, and sunk in defilement and altogether emptied of their first power, were unable to turn back to the first purity of their proper nature. Their members turned away from their fiery substance, for the fire itself, being extinguished by the weight of their lust, and changed into flesh, they trode the impious path downward. For they themselves, being fettered with its bonds of flesh, were constrained and strongly bound. Wherefore they have no more been able to ascend into the heavens. And these
0: are the these are the church fathers. I'm getting, from the context. And
1: these are some of them. Yes, these are the church
0: fathers that are in favor of the angels, human women interpretations. Yes. Yeah, yes, and I, you know, and it's like this is something where Christians can have legitimate disagreement um because it's there's no uh, there's nowhere you know the church has not ever said anything about this is what we need to believe as catholics but you know see even saint augustine and i can't i can't provide a citation for this i don't i don't know but even even um i think he believed in in succubi and incubi right like i said earlier like he like these like most of those guys even if they took the Sethite view would say oh yeah like they could angels, these fallen principalities can definitely take the form and physical appearance of human beings and, you know, produce or not produce, um, you know, mate with, with other humans. I think that's, that's the thing, you know. Um, but, yeah, so that's really interesting that you – thank you for providing those uh, quotations. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other ones?
1: Yeah, actually. Okay, great. Let <laughs> me <laughs> okay, grab my little handy-dandy. Notes here. Alright, Lactantius. Lactantius, not a church father. <coughs> Let's see. Um he was he was um an advisor to Emperor Constantine. Okay. Uh, okay, so this is uh this is from his writing on the corruption of angels. When therefore the number of men had begun to begun to increase, God in his forethought lest the devil, to whom from the beginning he had given power over the earth, should by his subtlety either corrupt or destroy men, as he had done at first, sent angels for the protection and improvement of the human race. And inasmuch as he had given these a free will, he enjoined them above all things not to defile themselves with contamination from the earth, and thus lose the dignity of their heavenly nature. He plainly prohibited them from doing that which he knew that they would do, that they might entertain no hope of pardon. Therefore, while they abode among men, that most deceitful ruler of the earth, by his very association, gradually enticed them to vices and polluted them by intercourse with men,
0: women. Yeah. So he gave them, he even told them, don't do this, you know, just, just so... (laughs) When Because he knew they were going to do it, just so they knew, like, okay, they're not going to, we're not getting out of this, you know, through special pleading yeah. or bargaining, yeah. which is in Enoch, um, in the book of Enoch that I read. That is, yeah. you know, they, so Enoch goes down um, to the underworld where, you know, these demons are in chains, and they go, you know, Enoch, please uh, petition us with you know, the Most High God that we may be pardoned for our sins, <laughs> and they're not really repentant, right? They're they're not, but they just don't want to be punished anymore. Um, and so Enoch's like, okay, fine, I'll try. You know, whatever. Uh, and he goes up and he gives his petition, and basically, God, the, you know, God's like, no, <laughs> yeah. no, they they knew what they were doing, and it's it's very yeah. interesting because um, in Enoch, as I was listening this this morning, uh, they. Oh, I forget their names, but they list off a bunch of names of these demons and they say such and such taught metallurgy, such and such taught you know, alchemy, such and such taught, you know, ways to beautify your face, you know, to yeah attract the opposite sex and be lustful, or whatever. But one of the demons was like, Hey, how do I know you guys are gonna do this too? And it's not just gonna be me. You know, I don't wanna yeah. take all the I don't <laughs> wanna take all the hits here. And so they're like, Okay, well we're gonna we're gonna let's sign an oath or something, you know. So they all like kinda like take an oath that they're all going to go down to earth and, you know, get, uh, uh, you know, do, do naughty things with the human population. Yeah. Um, so I just thought that was kind of entertaining. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. And so they beg, they beg Enoch, Hey, you know, you're, you're in with the, you're in with the upstairs crowd. Like put in a good word for us. And, and, and
1: God, God tells uh, Enoch to tell them, um, no, you were supposed to intercede for men, not men for
0: you. Right. Right. Yeah, I just I thought that was pretty entertaining. Um, and, yeah, so Enoch is not canonical, um, but it is important to understanding. Well,
1: for the Ethiopians
0: it is. Sure, yeah, but yeah. Um, for most Christians, not so much. But it's it's one of those right. books that it has a lot of historical weight to it. The church fathers, you know, were aware of it and, you know, the new Testament writers were aware of it and they even quoted from it. Um, yeah. And so it's, it's useful as like a, a filler, like it kind of fills in some yeah. details. Right. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. And we kind of went through the okay.
1: Basically, basically uh, the church's stance on it is that, Yes, it is profitable, but no, it's not going to be read in church.
0: Right, it's not part, part of basically liturgy. Basically, status. Right. right. Yeah. Yep. Not part of
1: liturgy. Right. Feel free to read it in your
0: home. Right. Um. Yeah. So I had. Um, I was talking to, uh, my last guest, uh, Christopher Tompkins. Um, I shouldn't say my last guest. My last aired guest. I had another one a couple of days ago. Um, we were talking about Arthur Machen and how Mackin. Machen, Arthur Machen, um, not Machen. <laughs> so he had this book called The Great God Pan, and it's kind of the same thing, right? You have... Yeah, creepy, the, creepy book. Oh my goodness, really creepy story. Um, but it's, it's basically like this Old Testament principality, you know, creating this offspring with this human woman who, this offspring, just, this girl a person that that's not even they not it's not even a person it's like this thing going going around and destroying people you know just using them and destroying them and um so if you ever i i do recommend arthur Mackin. he's not for the faint of heart but uh, Mackin. um but that's that's a good story for someone who wants to kind of like get an idea of well, it's not graphic like it's not yeah. it's he's not it's not tantalizing graphic or anything right. um but if you wanted to get an idea of, like, how bad these creatures are, I think that's pretty good, you know. It might even pull some yeah. punches.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, yeah, you have scripture, and um, in a note you sent to me, scripture is not in a vacuum, right? Like this— Right. These writers of the, the Old Testament— does
1: not take place in a vacuum.
0: Right. You have—the Old Testament is not just, you know, they're not writing it just, you know, to write it. They're usually writing—the writers of the Old Testament are writing it to either chronicle events or— um, chronicle people, like, you know, uh, important people, like lineages and stuff, or poetry. Or you have things like they um, are writing to kind of combat the rival, you know, uh, gods uh, of the time And their
1: period. claims, yeah. Yeah. The claims that their gods make.
0: Yeah. Right. See, most famously is Baal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the one there was a bunch, but that was one of those gods who the Israelites kept, just, just kept on worshiping, you know, they, <laughs> yep. um, they just tried their best to just keep that God in circulation and worship, worship that, that yep. creature. <laughs> um, and that's how they got into a lot of trouble. So like a lot of these prophets would write, you know, I think you had, um, Ezekiel, was it Ezekiel who was like fighting the prophets of Baal and they're and he's kind of making yeah. fun of them for not able to, you know, get their bonfire lit. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's not written in a vacuum and you have these, you have these myths and other cultures that are kind of, that are always kind of bombarding Israel. um, And they have their own versions of Gigantomachy, the war with the giants. So famously you have the, um, the gods of Greece versus the Titans, right? And the Titans, they were the, I think they were the sons of Gaia. Is that right? Uh huh. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So part of this was this episode is talking about scripture and you know other mythology. So um, could you speak to any any other? I mean, it doesn't have to be Greek, but could you speak to any of the other mythologies that were um, that were kind of going around at the same time as Israel was? Uh.
1: Well. Okay. So. <laughs> can kind of okay so if we look at um i'm just gonna assume that most people's idea of of history can be sort of plotted in movies (laughs) so yeah so
0: disney's um, hercules yeah i actually really like Uh, that movie but not for not for mythical accuracy or whatever you know yeah. yeah
1: so um Okay, the Spartans as like a, a military force, mm-hmm. um, you can find them showing up in the Book of Maccabees, and
0: okay, okay. so
1: yeah, so the Spartans are there, you know, and we can kind of we can kind of move move back and forth. So if we look at um, if we look at Babylon. Okay, what's going on with all of their gods? Um, is okay. So for them, for these, for these um, ancient Babylonians, their um, their what we consider myth is their current events. Okay, so um, you can have like uh, you can have. Um, Characters like Marduk and all that, and if you were to place um, Marduk and I guess Nimrod, like sort of as they have the same shape, okay. In in these in these mythic stories, I don't want to go too far with that because. Um, there's an absolutely horrible horrible book uh, that i i uh, i end up bringing up every Easter and Christmas because the um the Ishtar Easter oh thing, sure
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah it it, it it comes from that book and it's it's an awful book but extremely um entertaining <laughs> Uh, the scholarship is to- so terrible, but uh, it's called it's called the Two Babylons. Okay. <coughs> uh, but yeah, um, so so yeah, Nimrod and uh, Marduk have the same shape, the same sort of sh- uh, silhouette.
0: Yeah. Okay. So they kind of they kind of echo each other. Um, and they just seem like similar characters, right? I mean, um, Marduk from Mesopotamia, is that right? And he fights yes. Tiamat, the the chaos dragon. Yeah, um, the
1: chaos monster. Yeah. The Leviathan.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. And each of these myths you have... This is something I talked about on an earlier episode, too. Each, each of these myths has the hero going up against this chaos monster. And it's always... Um, it's either... A challenge like they get defeated right away and they've come back and it kind of just there's a lot of parallels right and you can kind of see why people just think christianity is just another one of these like stories right um yeah but there are important differences like you know instead of orpheus you know going down into the underworld and failing to rescue um his love Christ goes to the underworld and succeeds <laughs> and rescues yeah, it's, all it's the righteous. All,
1: it's all yeah. Um, consummated.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's they're like glimmers of the truth. And so you have, it's the same with these giant stories too. You have the Titans and, you know, the gods who fight them. Um, and the gods are like painting themselves as the good guys, right? Like, Oh, look, we're fighting the Titans whereas Zeus is kind of going around sleeping with everybody. Um, and, yeah. You know all of these people are you know these guys are all terrible, and we all you read their stories and you come away going, yeah, they're all kind of awful <laughs> oh yeah yeah um, and yes, Plus you their have
1: descendants are also awful,
0: yes, <laughs> um, so they all kind of parallel each other, and you like every one of these cultures has some version of a giant, you know, um yeah. like you said, Marduk and Nimrod are. are Echoes yeah, of each other
1: is universal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's
1: universal.
0: Yeah. You have Gilgamesh, you have Heracles, um, and they all kind of embody this archetype of violent aggression. Um, and then imposing will, you know, establishing so a city. Okay. So it's,
1: it's violent aggression. We, uh, humans, regular humans can do that. Oh we can yeah. Do violent aggression. but, it's a violent aggression with a supernatural component to it. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Well, the book of Enoch kind of goes into that too, where it, it talks about the giants, you know, there was not enough food in the land to feed them. So they ate the birds and the animals. And then when those were gone, they started eating men and then they started eating themselves and devouring themselves, you know? And so there's just this all like consuming aspect to these, to these entities or whatever. Um, that, you know, you can kind of see in someone like Hercules, where he is so violent, he kills, you know, his entire family, plus the, the, the city he was in. I think he wiped out everybody in the city, um, because he was driven mad. Um, and so you have this, it's just like, yeah, this chaos on a large scale with these, with these figures. Now you don't like the Scripture doesn't really get into it with Nimrod, you know, um, but I remember, um, so Nimrod, the mighty man of Renown, a you know, mighty hunter before the Lord. And yeah. I remember hearing, I think it was Father Schmitz, uh, from Bible in a Year talking about this. And he takes the Sethite view, which I think is interesting. But he, um, he was talking about Nimrod, and he's like, yeah, it says mighty hunter before the Lord. That means not like he is before the Lord, and hey, I'm a mighty hunter, and I'm doing it for God. No, he's like before God. He's putting himself before God right um that's how it was traditionally interpreted um and yeah a hunter
1: of men's hearts
0: okay interesting yeah can you elaborate on that more
1: uh well no no that was just um gosh that was i don't even know where i heard that it was it was um maybe maybe the pastor that um my childhood pastor. Mm, okay, but that's it. It's always stuck with me that he was he was a great hunter of men's hearts. So he was uh, good at you know turning men's heads around.
0: You yeah, know, just yeah. charismatic. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I, I've never heard that before. Um, yeah, but I, every one of these cultures has giants. Has something like giants. Has something like a war with giants. Um, because if you read Enoch and you read the description of what these giants are like, yeah, you'd want to go to war with them too, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're all consuming, they're all encompassing sort of, and they're hostile to human life. Oh yeah. I mean, it says they eat, they eat and into each other too. Like in Enoch, yeah. um, God says that he will turn the, they the sons of the angels against one another and they'll destroy themselves, you know, um, and do you think that's why, like, Sparta was constantly at war with people? <laughs> well,
1: generally, yeah, generally that whole,
0: uh... The whole region was constantly at war, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, like, Athens was constantly at war. You know, everybody was. And, again, I'm not a... I bet there'll be some people who listen to this and want to tear their hair out, whatever I'm saying, because I'm not an expert. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's fine. Um... <laughs> because <laughs> i'm i'm still kind of learning this stuff too it's it's we're not historians
1: no we don't pretend to be historians
0: no i'm very um open about how little i actually know about things um, <laughs> um but okay so yeah you have this universality of it and um and so you were you were talking about marduk and nimrod um do you have any other things to say like any other thoughts about like that the, the contemporary mythology that the uh, you know or or just the ancient Near Eastern mythology with as far as giants are concerned.
1: I'm I'm sorry, I'm not sure I understood the question.
0: Do you have anything else to add? That was a very long way winded way uh, asking. <laughs> no, I think I think we've covered pretty much okay. everything that we, we intended to. Okay. Now I guess the last thing would be um are there examples today of this of this stuff happening? Um I know famously, maybe not so famously, but you have you there are still pagan religions going on today, you know, um mm-hmm. like Hinduism and um like you have uh I don't know if it's a religion per se, but you have like Shinto in Japan. Um uh so is this is this stuff still going on? And I think you mentioned egregores in your in your message to me earlier. Oh, <laughs> I don't yeah, know if that's tied okay. into it at all, but um <laughs> uh-huh. That's um,
1: <laughs> the uh, okay. So it's it's a uh, we're gonna call it philosophical um, philosophical term. Um, these uh, these sorts of disembodied um, thought forms. So it's a conglomeration of, of thought forms, um, mm-hmm. which is sort of takes on a, a vitality of its own. That would be that would be where, uh, how to put it? I'm gonna put it badly. That would be where giants are today.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: Um, and and there's a there's a good reason to kind of loop it together because if you okay, so you go a little bit further on after after these these giants are being destroyed. This is where evil spirits come from. Mm -hmm. the ghosts of these giants the Rephaim yeah the Mm Rephaim but okay in the book of Enoch they're they're simply um evil spirits are simply dead giants yeah right so and and those are the unclean spirits that you run across in in the New Testament that's exactly what these beings are um and why one of them says um says to to Jesus, um, have you come to you know destroy us before the time? Because their understanding was they were gonna get to hang out and do whatever they wanted, you know, until judgment day. Right. And they thought wrong. Right. The um so when we're looking at um as much as we can the spiritual lay of the land those those devouring hostile to human life beings are still present with us
0: right you know the, they're the ones that um, I mean I get I'm not an expert on this but uh, they often will be seen in exorcisms um, Now it's hard to tell because demons are really tricky, and I think you kind of lose your identity when you become like one of them, right? So when you die, you kind of enter this. I mean, I think C.S. Lewis kind of talks about this in the screw tape letters, where and then in in that uh Paralandra, where you have um Weston. he is possessed by this demon basically and he surfaces for a moment the Weston does the the villain uh, he's a human and he, so he kind of surfed, his personality kind of bubbles to the surface um, and he describes what it's like and it's like it's this giant melt almost like a melting pot of like you're all you're just almost consumed by this, this personality and um, you you kind of lose your identity so like demons kind of it's tricky to if, if you're an exorcist to, to, you know, to pinpoint, okay, who are we dealing with here? Because it could be a whole bunch of them. It could be one, you know, they kind of, their identities kind of shift. I, I think that's my personal opinion. Um, because you're not like defined, right? You're just kind of this mass of, of like personified evil.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, and so it's hard to pinpoint that, but it does make sense that the, um, these dead giants, these like, Dead kings basically are the spirits that um, show up in the New Testament. Um, instead of yeah, so and I don't I don't have enough evidence to kind of go into like exactly why that is, but um, that's the idea there. And I'm trying to find um, I'm trying to find where it says I think it's in Ezekiel where. God is um, basically describing how he cast uh, the, 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 the Satan, the serpent, out of the garden. Um, and it says, it's in Ezekiel 28. And it's ta- he's talking about the ruler of, of Tyr here, but it also, he's comparing the ruler of Tyr to, I believe, it's Satan. Um, and he, he talks about how, I think it's in here. Uh, I'm trying to find it. But he talks about how, the the dead kings or like the the raphaim are waiting for you you know they're wait, they're they're mm-hmm. basically excited to see you when he's casting satan down there or something something like that i or he's talking he's talking to the, the king of tear he's he's referring to king of tear like okay, you're like the rephaim are excited to bring you to drag you down there just like i did to satan you know
1: <laughs> yeah
0: something like that um so yeah it's yeah, I I threw you to earth I mean I made a spectacle of you before kings um let's see yeah so I think it's in Ezekiel but it's yeah it's it's this idea that these giants are these giants are the the, the Rephaim that show up in the New Testament when especially when Christ is talking to them and yeah they they're saying is it is it is our time is or is our time come before um the final judgment basically yeah, yeah. Um, interesting. So, yeah, I've heard the word egregore has come up more and more, um, recently. And I-
1: because, um, um, esoteric Twitter is kind of, um, leading into Catholic Twitter. There's a <laughs> lot of overlap in, in some, in some areas, you know. Yeah.
0: And I don't recommend looking into it, but, um- No. There are, there, I mean, I, so fiction, this is another reason I have this podcast, because fiction is fiction's a good way to kind of read about this stuff and kind of get an idea of what we're talking about without actually, like, doing any weird research, which I don't recommend. Yeah. So, like, you know, read Paralandra. Um, read the, especially read that, that hideous strength of, of C.S. Lewis's um, uh, Space oh, trilogy, yes. um to get an idea of what's going on, but especially Paralandra. Um, and then Arthur Ma- Arthur Mackins' um, Great God Pan is a good is a good one too. And then I have not read this one, but Tim Powers has a, a book called Forced Perspectives that actually deals specifically with egregores um, and why they're bad. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, they are bad.
0: So I have not read that one yet, but um, I have an obligatory Tim Powers reference in every episode. I did not do that last time, <laughs> but <laughs> um, so. And then there's, like, you have know, Hinduism, and then um, I remember reading that the, the Japanese emperor, um, I don't think he does it anymore, but there have been, you know, he's had evenings with the sun goddess, right? Like, that's part yeah. of his, so, like, this, and I don't know if there's, I mean, there's probably sexual stuff involved, but I, I don't know. Like, the, the news headlines don't ever, like, the Japan, you know, don't ever go yeah. into that, but um, there's still stuff like that, at least talked about, you know. Um, in the modern world, and obviously demons and stuff are st- are still real, so they didn't go away. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't see. Any, I mean, there's one question in the chat. Jokai has a question. Um, he's not a patron, but that's okay. Um, so, who are the specific church fathers who wrote about angels and succubi t- uh, t- taking uh, physical forms? I, I did mention Augustine. I don't have any specific citations, unfortunately, because um, I don't. I don't spend a whole lot of time looking, researching about that stuff. Um, well, I
1: read a couple of them, right?
0: You right. did, yeah. You read a couple of them. Saint Ambrose was one. Uh, you said Saint Irenaeus was another one uh, talking specifically Clement about.
1: Of Rome.
0: Yes. Yeah, yep. Yep. Um, so there's there's a few there, uh, and you actually provided citations, which was great. It's better than what I did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> And I don't think I have any patron questions. Um, but, uh, yeah, so do you have anything else to add? Um, we were trying to keep this to about an hour. I think we've gone over an hour now. Um,
1: uh, well, yeah, next time uh, we're together, we're going to have to do Giants in the New World.
0: Yeah, so like you because talking we America. we did not even
1: scratch that.
0: Yeah, like the, the Americas? Yes. Okay, that would be interesting. Um, because there are, there are, um, uh, Native American legends, I think, of a similar sort of situation where you have, um, these fallen angels giving humans technology. Um, so that'd be very interesting. And that's another thing too, with this technology, you know, it's not that this technology they're Given was bad. It's that they were given this technology in, in order, order to. They de- were ready for it. Yeah, in order to destroy themselves, right? Yeah, it's not like makeup on your face is really bad. It's like, oh, well, here's how to do it in a way that will, you know, entice lust, you know, and drive yeah. people crazy, um, or here's how to make swords and weaponry and all sorts of things. You know, uh, Oppenheimer, the uh, the one of the scientists who um, developed the nuclear uh, the, the nuclear bomb, did, he said something like, I am Kali, God of death, or something like that, you know? Like, no,
1: he said, what he, did he said say specifically, I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. That's what and, it is, yeah. Yeah, he was, he was quoting the Bhagavad Gita, okay. which is, um, it's a religious passage, um, toward the end of the Mahabharata, which is, um, One of India's two great epics. And that is, in fact, that that entire story is the Hindu version of Gigantamaki. Because all of the um, antagonists in that story were either gods Mm -hmm. or descended from gods.
0: Okay.
1: So, yeah, it's, it's Nephilim. (laughs) <laughs> everywhere it's it's, it's, nephilim. it's nephilim, nephilim
0: all the way down everywhere. yep yeah yep <laughs> well like achilles too is another example like from literature right so you have yes he's the son of a uh, daughter of poseidon i think i can't remember her name but um she's a, a goddess of sorts and mm-hmm. um yeah and he's a rage monster too <laughs> yes <laughs> And Hector, Hector is the is the good guy, right? I mean, he's like Hector is the noble one, you know. Who he's one of the nine worthies, I think, in in the traditional uh, the, the medieval legends. Uh, but you have Achilles, who you know, who gets mad that um, his basically concubine gets taken away, um, and doesn't he refuses to help his people? You know, <laughs> it's just this yeah. petty. You know, and then he comes out, and he's like, "Yeah, he's not a—he's a hero in the sense that the epic is he about does him." Things. Well, yeah, and he's the—he's the main dude in the—in the epic, you know, the Iliad. So he is technically the hero, but he's like, he, no, he's not a. I mean, but he—he he embodies that sort of, you know, the same sort of um, archetype as the rest of those quote-unquote heroes. And I'm not saying like, you know. We should, I, I personally have struggled with this. Like, how do we, uh, do we just have to recognize them as not, I mean, they did, they did amazing things, but they are also extremely flawed people, right? Like very,
1: well, hero, hero is a title.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so, and, and we've sort of, we sort of, um, pasted, um. A lot of modern ideas over that word, but a hero is someone who does great things, not necessarily a good person.
0: Right, he does great things. He establishes cities. He defeats monsters. He yeah. yeah. Oh, and uh, Max says Achilles is the son of uh, Thetis. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, that that sounds right to me. Uh, I haven't read the Iliad in a little while, but yeah, yeah, they do they do amazing things. Um, feats of great strength. You know, defeating you know like um hercules defeats the uh man i gotta brush up on these names but he defeats this like really mythical lion right and then he wears its pelt yeah you know and there's that famous i don't know if it was michelangelo but there's a famous sculpture of, of hercules wearing the, he's got a club and he's wearing the, the pelt of this lion right um and he has the, the 12 labors of hercules one of them is literally cleaning up poop you know in the stables yes. so it's like that really i mean it's impressive. they're big stables but it's not i don't know if i would consider that
1: heroic he, he had to he had to reroute a river to get it done
0: well i guess yeah i have done that i did that today come on that's not that big a deal i changed my daughter's diaper three times you know today
1: oh. poop you
0: know that's that's about about the same um <laughs> uh yeah so next time we'll do giants in the americas and in the, in the new world um so is there anything final thought let's just i think we should probably wrap this up this has been a lot of fun i'm glad i got this to work man this is this is good oh
1: yeah <laughs> i'm glad i actually got this uh i got this material out because this actually was recorded before okay not by you
0: right yeah. okay yeah it's you <laughs> <laughs> well this all yes, this will so go I'm out happy. as soon as I get it edited so like the the live stream I think if I know how to I don't know how any of this works so I think if I understand what's going on with the live stream it may or may not be recorded and put on YouTube however I am recording it for my podcast and that will be released just um as an audio uh I wanted to do a live stream so people can ask questions and um you know, I, we did get a question. Thank you, jokai Kai. <laughs> um, and You're the man, Joe Kai. And uh, Max said that he was just—he uh, um, was too busy enjoying your presentation to ask any, to think of any questions, Katerina. So, um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I know a lot of people were, are probably going to listen to it on the podcast and that's, I, I thought this would be a fun way to do it. And it was pretty fun. It was entertaining. At least I get to people see what I look like now. Um, and Jokai yes. said, I have a beard. Um, and in a, Aaron has a mustache. That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty noteworthy. Um, and then Dr. Max said the Nemean lion. He said that he thinks, yes. that's, yeah. The lion. So, um, yeah, I need obviously need to brush up my, on my myth. Um, and yeah, so a lot of it was just a final thoughts. But a lot of what Scripture is doing, partially, is to is to offer a correction of what the their rival the rival stories that were going on, you know, at the time they were writing it. They're offering, you know, correctives. Uh, that's not all they were doing. I think that's what, especially with Genesis. I think people get a little too hung up on. Oh, they were just you're writing, you know. Writing, um, you know in, a correction to the the Babylon myths with the creation story. Um, it's like that's partly what was going on, but they're also describing. We can get into this too, but like later we don't have to do this right now. But they're also describing the cosmological structure of the universe, not necessarily a scientific account of what's going on. But you know, you don't like it's on a mountain, you know, and it's the um, the the tabernacle is there, you know, because God is walking with them, um, and so like the creation story is. Um, describing the creation of a cosmic tabernacle, basically. That's my very unlearned attempt at an explanation. But it's like them fighting against these myths is not all they were doing, although that was part of it. Um, so, you, but you can't just like um, you can't just like do away with all the imagery, right? So, um, Colonel Ratzinger, when he wrote in the beginning his like lecture series on Genesis he talked about, I think it's in there, I think it's in there, he talks about how it's literal in the sense that you can't get away from the number seven, you can't get you know, you can't, like, like, the the imagery is literal in the sense that that's what the author was intending to get across. Um, and so like, the number of days, the, what happens on each day, right, that's all, not in a scientific sense, but um, you can't, like, those things are, are, are not arbitrary. That's kind right. of what he was writing talking about in his I recommend those too. Those are good. Um they're not exactly what I hoped for, but um I was hoping he would go into more of the symbolic structure of it, but he doesn't quite go he kind of just talks about Genesis and how important it it, it they're good. I recommend them. Um uh, Pope Benedict is a smart guy, so um Yes. <laughs> so do you have any final thoughts? Yes. That's that's my final thought.
1: It, it has been absolutely great to talk with you again. Um, and I look forward to the next time that we get to talk. This yeah. has been great. Um, and I guess people know how to get a hold of me on Twitter. So, yep,
0: yeah. And um, I'm most active on Twitter. I have a Facebook page. I, I try to post updates Ooh. and stuff on there. <laughs> uh, that's pretty much all I use it for. Uh, just like cause there are people on there who follow it as well. they follow follow the podcast as well. So I know Twitter, the social media is all just a bunch of toxic nonsense, but it is fun. I I don't know. That's how I met you and other people (laughs) and stuff. So it's, you carve out a little spot, you know, and you talk about the stuff you want to talk about and try not to spend too much time on it. That's what I need to work on. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But it can be fun and I've learned quite a bit. Um, so yeah. Um, Stick around after we're done the live we're done with the live stream. I'm going to check uh, the comments one more time. Um, Doctor Max says shadows creeping on the walls, spirits in the air. Um.
1: <laughs> I guess you can see the
0: background there. I didn't notice anything spooky. I didn't think so in my background. No, I don't think so. Um, our house has been blessed. I use, I use holy water a lot, so I, anything that tries to slip its way in here is going to have a hard time of it. Um, and then I'm going to check pay, Patreon one more time. I don't think so. I think we're good. Um, yeah, stick around after the after I don't have the live stream. We'll, uh, we'll chat a little bit. Um, if you have a, just a couple minutes. Um, all right. Well, that's it. That's all I got. Thanks for coming right. on. And do you have any um, book recommendations for this topic? I I recommended Dr. Heiser's uh, The Unseen Realm." Gosh, I,
1: uh, man. Okay, so, um, Michael Heiser, he he wrote the foreword to, oh, okay, let me, okay, so we're done, we're done recording, right?
0: Not yet. Uh. Oh. (laughs) All right, uh. Gosh, I can um, edit I'm all gonna, this in the in the podcast. This is yeah, live, though. I'm this gonna, is not going anywhere. I'm
1: gonna, I'm gonna pan, I'm gonna pan this author. But look, okay, so Heiser wrote the um, the forward to um, it's a set of a set of appendices. Okay. Okay, and they are appendices, appendices that are wonderfully written. They are great resources, right? Mm. But the books that they're appendices to are awful. Awful, (laughs) awful. Okay. So the, the, the writer is a great researcher, but he can't write fiction. It's, it's just that simple and that sad. (laughs) Uh, his name is Brian Gadawa. Okay. And the, um, there's actually two of them. One that I have in my hand right now is "When Giants Were Upon the Earth." Okay. The Watchers, the Nephilim, and the bism- Biblical Cosmic War of Seed.
0: Okay. Sounds good. So yes. don't read. Don't read the fiction. Read the appendices.
1: Yes, the appendices are fantastic. because
0: the they provide is, they provide oh um, resor- resources, right? They cite the citations yeah. and stuff. And,
1: exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yes.
0: This is one of those yes. topics where, if you're not careful, you can fall down some really weird rabbit holes, and yeah. potentially some spiritually dangerous ones. So just I don't know, yes. be careful. And Michael Heiser's a really good. He's a respected. He's evangelical. He's a respected scholar. Yeah. Um, he's not a crazy person or anything. So he's he's a really good um resource on that. Jimmy Akin from Catholic Answers has cited him. Oh a, yeah, Jimmy a bunch. Akin's amazing. Yeah. So he's this. You know, I when I read the Unseen Realm, I didn't. There was nothing anti-Catholic in there. Um, I, it's a really good resource, and it gives you a basic. Uh, and he, he has citations in his book too, so for further reading, you can look at what he what he looked at. But like, yeah, it's for some of this stuff, you Google it, and it's like, oh boy, no, thank you, I don't want to. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want that. Um,
1: yeah, it gets, it gets really squirrely out there.
0: And there's a couple of um, I, w- there's a website um away. that I have been using for this called Unum Sanctum Catholicum. Uh, it's a Catholic website traditionalist um if that's not a deterrent i don't think it is um they have two they have two um, uh, articles about the nephilim so they have watchers and nephilim and then they have a previous one which is something about the nephilim um introduction to the nephilim so they they kind of go through the same stuff we kind of talked about they provide citations and scriptural verses, um, and they go through you know who the nephilim are, you know all that stuff. So if you want further reading, I'll put those in the show notes. Um, so yeah, that's all. I, I, I'm from Minnesota, so our goodbyes take forty five minutes. Um, so <laughs> it's been a lot of fun, but I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go so you can go to bed. But uh, stick around for a couple minutes after after we're done recording, if you don't mind, Katerina. Oh yeah. Thanks for being oh, okay. patient and bearing with me about the oh, yeah. live stuff. Hopefully, next time will be. Uh, oh, it's sh- all
1: a learning process.
0: Thank you, everybody, for listening to today's episode of I Might Believe in Fairies. Uh, just a couple announcements: uh, the I Might Believe in Fairies T-shirts are a couple weeks out from being done, and when they're done, I will uh, send out a message. You know, notifications on social media and all that stuff, and Patreon and stuff. um, To just let people know that they're done, and uh, they will be available only for the $25 a month patrons uh, for now, and maybe eventually I will have them just for sale. Um, But uh, I haven't figured out how to do that yet, so um, for now it's just gonna be, I'll send them out to you for free if you're a $25 a month patron. And uh, you also get, if you if you sign up to be a $25 a month or a $10 a month patron, I will send you a book uh, related to the show. Uh, and I want to thank our uh, newest patron, uh, Gabriel. Thank you very much. And I uh, look forward to uh, chatting with you sometime and um, answering your questions and uh, sending you your uh, t-shirt and your book. And... Um, yeah, that's it. So uh, tune in next next month, and uh, God bless. Thank you all for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of I Might Believe in Fairies. Please leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Please follow me on Twitter at Aaron Erber and like me on Facebook. If you're excited to see where the podcast is going and want to offer some support for the project, you can find me on Patreon. Music is by Alexander Nakarada and podcast art was designed by my wonderful sister-in-law, Linnea Kisbee. Until next time, talk to you soon.